That's awesome. And Ben, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate you being here. What an unbelievably fantastic morning. It's been so fun. And thank you for... Uh, can we just give one more round of applause to those that got baptized? That's just so exciting. We're not just clapping just for them, but also for what the Lord has done in their lives and in their hearts. Such a big thing. Uh, welcome. Glad that you are here. A couple things that I wanted to mention to you before we jump into the message this morning. Uh, we are hard at work gearing up with the staff and the volunteers trying to get ready for our return back to inside. Uh, it has been fantastic to worship together outside and, and what a great thing that has this has been this summer, but we do live in Canada, and at some point, we're going to have to go back inside. So we're working hard to try and make that happen. We, we need your help, and the reason we need your help is because uh, you know that with the small worship space that we have inside, we're not going to be able to get all of us in in one go. And so we are trying to figure out systems and trying, trying to put systems in place by which we can get us all in. We're looking at three or possibly four services in order to, to fit everybody. Uh, and we're going to need you to register, which, listen, I, uh, all the new faces we've seen, you guys have been awesome for registering. Thank you. Uh, everyone that has called Blue Water Home for a long time. Not quite so awesome registering, but we're, we, we need you to get a little better with that. And the reason why we need to register is just to try and get the numbers figured out so that we can put everybody in. Um, and the, one of the big ways that you can love and serve each other, one of the big ways you can love and serve your brothers and sisters in the community in general is to, uh, man, if you're able to come at an, an unideal time, that would be great <laughs> because we're going to have a hard time making this work. We are also going to have a big challenge with our children's ministry. And as I talk to pastors all over uh, the province, really, the, the biggest challenge that every church is finding is, is their children's ministry. And uh, if you see one of our children's ministry volunteers or if there's someone who's maybe volunteering but not today, please give them a huge, huge, huge thanks because they have been working tirelessly. And we, I, I, well, Pastor Steve would have the numbers better than I can give you uh, off the top of my head, but it looks like we're going to be able to provide children's programming in one of our services once we go back inside. We don't want to kill our volunteers. We don't want to run them into the ground. Um, but uh, so, so I, I say this because we need your help and we would like to provide children's programming in more than one service. Uh, so you can do that in, uh, you can let us know that you'd be willing to help in a number of different ways. You can email office at bluewaterbaptist.ca. You can talk to Bethany over here at the check-in table who checked you in. Or uh, thirdly, you can talk to Pastor Steve, and I'm sure he would love to talk to you about how you can get plugged in and involved. How's that sound? Does that sound good? We, yeah. That's for our children's ministry volunteers. We appreciate you guys so much. When I was growing up, um, I, I didn't want to be a pastor, when, when I was growing up, I actually wanted to be a veterinarian. I don't know if you can believe that or not, but I thought that would be really cool. I was very much looking forward to that. And uh, I was like, I had uh, the classes all picked out in my head that I needed to take. I knew what schools that I wanted to go to. Like I had the whole thing laid out. And we're talking in junior, in like, like elementary school. I was that kid. I had my whole life planned out before me. And I thought that that was going to be pretty fantastic. 
Every once in a while, though, and I'm talking like every once in a while, like we're talking once a year, maybe twice a year, there would be this little thought that would kind of ping in the back of my head that would say something like, hey, maybe you should, you should be a, a pastor. Or, or that gifting that you have, that would be very, you know, helpful if you were going to be a pastor. And I would very quickly shove that down. Oh, no, no, no. Why would anyone want to be a pastor? <laughs> Very quickly stuff that down, stuff that down. And the interesting thing is God hadn't even really got a hold of my heart yet, but, but I, I still had these random thoughts. Hey, maybe you should be a pastor. No, 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 no. That all changed uh, when I was in grade nine. Right near the end of my grade nine year, uh, the, the previous summer, the Lord had really got a hold of my heart in a real way. And I still remember um, th there was this one particular Sunday. I was sitting in church. It was during the sermon. And I wish I could say it was something profound that the pastor said, but it wasn't. And the reason I know it wasn't is because I was not paying attention. I was sitting there and I still remember I was uh, leaning forward. I had my chin in my hands and my elbows on my knees, definitely not paying attention. And I don't know what happened, but, but um, and I don't even know how to describe the experience that I had, but I was just kind of in, a mo in the moment, very overwhelmed with the very real sense that, that God was done messing around and I was going to be a pastor. I was going to go into the ministry. And I hadn't been thinking about this. This is not something that had been on my radar or on my heart at all, like, like at all. But I just like overwhelmed with this very real sense, like you are going to do this. And I remember sitting bolt upright and like quick look to my left at my brother, quick look to my right at my dad. Uh, okay, they, they didn't see anything different here, but, but, but just overcome with this very real sense. And I don't know what would have happened if I would have said no, but I knew it wasn't going to be good. And I was overcome with the sense that, you are going to be a pastor. And my response in that moment was, yes, I am. That's a fantastic idea. I'm going to be a pastor. And really, since that moment, my life changed tra trajectory, and I have been on a different path ever since. Now, not everyone who's a pastor has that same kind of experience that I did. But that's what it was like for me. And, and really, what was going on in that moment because God had previously got a hold of my heart, so I was a Christ follower, but in that moment, what Jesus was doing was he was calling me to give up my own dreams, calling me to give up my own ambitions, calling me to give up my own plans. In, like, like, Tim, you've got to not do, you've got to stop thinking about what you want to do, and you, I need you to do something that you don't want to do at all. I wouldn't have been able to frame it this way at the time, but the question that I was wrestling with was, is Jesus my savior? Am I a Christ follower or, or is he my Lord? Maybe you've heard the saying before that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean when we say Jesus is Lord? Well, that's actually a very big question, but for our purposes this morning, why don't we boil it down like this? When we say Jesus is Lord, what we're saying is that he's the boss. He's the boss of you. He's the boss of me. He's the boss of everything. He's the top. He's supreme. He's the number one controlling element, and second place isn't even close. When we say Jesus is Lord, what we're saying is that it's all about Jesus. Jesus. 
I wouldn't have these words to put on it back then, but the question for me was this. Did Jesus have the right to tell me what to do? And in that moment, not even paying attention in church, I had to say yes. And again, that's changed the course of my life all the way down till today. Why would I say yes? Because at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. We have been uh, just started into last week, actually, a new series at Blue Water. And, and what we've been talking about is, hey, what are some of the things that make Blue Water Blue Water? Kind of like a personality test, if you will, for our church. And listen, the reason we're doing this is that not every person is a great fit in every church. And that's okay. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with that. If, if you uh, have been coming to Blue Water and you feel like, oh, there's this other church that, that uh, loves Jesus and that teaches the, the scriptures and I feel like I'm a better fit over there, listen, God bless you. you, you if you tell me, I, we have good relationships with all those churches in Sarnia, I will call them, I will tell them that you are coming and that you are awesome. It's okay. It's a win for us if you love and serve and get connected at another church that loves Jesus. Um, we think the way that we do church is the best way, and I hope that doesn't sound um, arrogant or conceited. It's not meant that way. Um, we, we think the way that we do things is the best way because, of course, we do. If we thought differently, we would do it that way. But our, our, the way that we do it is certainly not the only way. But if you're going to make Blue Water your home, which we hope you do, we want you to know what you're getting into. So last week we started with the big E on the I chart. Last week we started with the, 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 the top dog thing. And that what we said is that we are the Bible church. We teach the Bible unapologetically. And the Bible unapologetically informs everything that we do as best as we are able. And this week we're moving on from that. And we're talking about the fact that it's all about Jesus. That Jesus is Lord. And that as Lord, he has the right to interrupt your plans. Because he's bigger than we are. He's stronger than we are. He's more loving than we are. He sees ends we don't see. And since that is the case, we can trust him. If you have your copy of God's Word, which I hope you do when you come to Blue Water, always got to have your own copy of God's Word. And uh, if you would uh, take that and open with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we are going to start reading in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. I'll give you a second to find it. But here is what the scripture says. 1 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 13, Peter writes and he says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Some of the translations that you might have in front of you will say, In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Number of things we want to pull out from this text. The first thing is so interesting that in a culture that is so uh, radically changing, so quickly changing, man, it can be really frustrating when people 
make decisions that are really hard decisions, really bad decisions. And whether it's in politics or whether it's a neighbor, or whether it's a family member, man, it is, it's so easy to get so frustrated and, and even sometimes angry when someone doesn't see the world the way that it seems so obvious to us that it is. And we do always need to be prepared to give an, give an answer for the hope that we have, but look what Peter says. We need to do so with gentleness and respect. And the reason why this is so important is because as soon as we are, are not responding with gentleness, as soon as we're not responding with respect, if we respond in anger, that's a really, uh, you know, uh, blazing light that we have not adequately set apart Christ as Lord of us. Because if we had... How can we as a creature be angry with another creature as if there is no creator who is on the throne? Let me say that again. How can we as a creature be angry at another creature as if there is no creator on the throne? In our hearts, we need to set apart Christ as Lord. Another passage that I memorized when I was a kid, actually, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I got to be honest, I always understood the, the weight of that passage or the thrust of that passage as being on the second half of it. So in other words, like anyone can confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. The important part of that verse is if you believe in your heart, like if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then we can be saved. I thought like anyone can confess with your mouth. But then when I started digging into the cultural context of the people who this was written to, what I actually discovered is that having to confess with your mouth to those people was actually really, really significant. And here's why. Because they lived in the Roman Empire, and actually they lived in Rome, actually, the capital of the Roman Empire at that time. And the Romans, when they conquered the world, they did something very interesting. When they conquered a people group, they actually allowed those people to continue to worship their ancestral gods. And that was different. That was not common in the ancient world because if, if I conquered your people group, that means that my gods are stronger than yours. I'm going to force you to worship my gods. But the Romans didn't, didn't do that. The Romans said, listen, you can worship your ancestral gods if you want to. That's fine as long as you add this one little element to your religious worship. What you have to do is once a year, everyone's going to get together. We're going to have this little, this little altar with a little fire in it. And, and once a year, you're just going to take a little pinch of incense. You're going to put this little pinch of incense into the fire, and it's going to do whatever incense does. And you're going to say two words. In the, the Greek language that was spoken commonly at that time, those two words were Kaiser Kurios, which means Caesar is Lord. And when you do that, you would get a little thing that you could uh, keep with you. And that was your, uh, your little, almost like a, a passport so that you could be involved in public commerce. You could be in, involved in the, the, the public affairs of the city that you were involved in. If you had this little libellus, I think it was called, 
that you got when you put the pinch of incense in the altar and said, Caesar is Lord. That was a real problem for Christians. Because Christians didn't believe that Caesar was Lord. Christians believed that, what, what is it again? Jesus is Lord. Caesar's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Have I been saying this wrong the whole time? Or have I been doing it okay? Because I mixed it up in my head. For the Christians, man, they couldn't say Caesar was Lord. Because you can't have two Lords. Only one person can be Lord. And so what that meant was, all of a sudden, the Christians found themselves in a really awkward place. Because you can't be involved in public commerce. You could maybe, uh, you know, hit the black market and get the things that you needed there or set up little underground economies, and many of them did. But it was a big deal to not confess with your mouth that Caesar was Lord. If you confessed with your mouth that Jesus was Lord, that hit you and it hit your family really, really hard. And that phrase that Jesus is Lord or Christ is Lord, that became the first Christian confession. Not the Apostles' Creed, not the Nicene Creed, not, not anything else. The first Christian confession was this very simple statement, Jesus is Lord. And friends, even today, when we say Jesus is Lord, we are just by, by definition of us saying this, we are making enemies with the world, really. So these people that were baptized today, and it's so glorious, and it's so emotional, and, and like it's very moving. I mean, I was, you know, in the verge of tears sitting over here just watching these people uh, uh, publicly confess their, their commitment to following Jesus Christ. They were saying that Jesus is Lord, and in doing so, they were making enemies. Because when we say Jesus is Lord, that means, I mean, fill in the blank. That means the state isn't Lord. That means the government can't tell you to do whatever they want to. There are limits on their authority. That means your boss is not Lord. If they ask you to do something unethical or illegal, the, 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 the quick answer from you is no. Because they are not your ultimate Lord. There are limits on their authority. It also means that you are not Lord. And neither am I. And that means that all of my values, all of my desires, all of my goals and objectives, that all comes under the authority of Jesus Christ. All of my identities comes under the lordship of Jesus. So how I see myself is not nearly as significant as what Jesus says about me. And you can maybe see why this is such a big deal in our culture. When we say Jesus is Lord, that means nothing else is. And we need to come to terms with the fact that there is no neutrality. If Jesus is Lord, nothing else is. And friends, like Peter Marshall said, our options are really either Christ or chaos. <laughs> Those are the only options that we have. So there are real consequences to confessing and believing and living out that Jesus is Lord. It's going to cost you something in this world. And there are very real and eternal consequences for not confessing that Jesus is Lord. 
In Revelation chapter 17, verse 14, it's talking about those who hate Jesus. And it says, uh, uh, they will wage war against the lamb. When it talks about the lamb, it's talking about Jesus. They will wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. This past week, we were dog-sitting for some friends of ours. And I was reminded uh, about the, some of the differences between uh, dogs and cats. Because dogs are super interesting, right? Because um, uh, when, when you have a dog, a dog's part of the family, and, and your dog looks at you, and your dog thinks you're awesome. How many dog people do we have in the, in the house? Like, okay, we've got a lot. If you're a dog person, say woof. Woof, yeah. Your dog looks at you and your dog says, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me, you scratch me behind the ears, you must be God. And dogs understand lordship. How many cat people we got in the house? Because cats don't understand lordship. Because when your cat looks at you, your cat thinks, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me. I must be God. <laughs> There's a real distinct difference between dogs and cats. And listen, whether you're a dog person, we love you. Or whether you're a cat person, we love you. But when it comes to how we look at God, we need to be, we need to be dog people. <laughs> we need to be, look at God and say, how great you are, you are God. You are Lord. Is Jesus your Lord? Have you given Jesus the right to displace your goals, your agenda, your values, your identities? Have you given Jesus the right to interrupt your plans? One of my favorite parts of the whole Bible is actually the very end in Revelation chapter 19. The Apostle John has this vision of what's going to, like, this is the end of the story. This is what is still to come. And this is what's going to actually happen. And I love how he describes Jesus in Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11. He says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. Where's Pastor Andy? Still waiting for that song about Jesus waging war. I always tell Andy I have a wonderful plan for his life. Verse 12, his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. This is Jesus. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in uh, fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Now, this is an interesting image because uh, if we take it too literally, we might think, hey, that's weird that there's a sword coming out of his mouth. But what John is actually saying is he just has to speak. He just has to speak. And he strikes down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love that picture. Jesus riding a white horse, wearing white, coming back. Listen, someone else said this, and I think it's true. If, you, if, if, if someone shows up to a fight wearing white, they are supremely confident about how that's going to go. 
Jesus is wearing white and he's got a shirt and on his shirt and he's got a tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't know if there's any, like if you had a brother or a group of friends, if you showed up with a shirt that said, I am the best or a tattoo that said, I am the best. The first thing that your brother or your buddies are going to do is tackle you and, and put you in a headlock and give you a wedgie and say, oh, you're the, you're the best. Are you? Let's just put you in your place. Listen, no one's doing that to Jesus. He's got the tattoo. He's wearing it on his shirt. King of kings and Lord of lords. He is Lord. He's Lord over creation. He's Lord over the nations. He's Lord over you and he's Lord over me. And the scripture says that there is going to come a point when every single knee in all the universe is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. So there is going to come a moment when that's going to happen and everyone's going to do it. And some people will be able, that's going to be a, a joyful experience. Some people are going to be saying, this is what I've been saying. I've been saying that Jesus is Lord. I've been taking the hits. I've been taking the shots. I've been taking the punishment for saying that Jesus is Lord. And now everyone can see that he is Lord. It's going to be glorious. But there's going to be some who will confess that he is Lord. But they're going to do that because they don't have a choice. And through clenched teeth, hating every breath and, and, and every syllable, they will be forced to admit that, yes, Jesus is Lord. We're all going to do that someday, friends. The, question is for you, is that going to be a glorious thing or a horrific thing? And I would love to tell you more about how you can love Jesus and serve Jesus and worship Jesus and follow Jesus and give your sins to Jesus so that it's a glorious thing for you. Just like these people who got baptized today and publicly declared their profession of faith. Is Jesus your Lord? Does Jesus have the right to tell you what to do? For some of you that are within the sound of my voice right now, you know that God's been calling you to something. You know that God's been calling you out to something and you've been doing like what I was doing. No, 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 just stomp that down, stomp that down. Friends, my encouragement for you today is to Love Jesus. Follow Jesus. Is he your Lord? Let him divert your plans. Maybe it's someone is sitting here and, you, and God's calling you to go into full-time ministry as a pastor. Maybe it's to go cross-culturally to tell others about Jesus. Maybe it's to, it's to extend forgiveness to someone who you have been harboring bitterness towards. Maybe it's just simply he's calling you to follow him. And you've been pushing that down. It's my prayer that you do that today because he is the Lord and since he is bigger, stronger, smarter, and more loving than us, we can trust the Lord. Yes, we can. There's plenty of churches who have capitulated on this. There's plenty of churches that have said, um, yeah, we like Jesus, but, uh, you know, we like what other people think about us a lot better. May we be a church who always, unreservedly, willing to, to take any repercussions that come from it. May we always be a church 
who always says that Jesus is Lord. May that be true of us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that Jesus is the Lord and that we can trust him. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would give us the strength to follow hard after Jesus since he is our Lord. We pray that this week you would help us to continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's to him that we give all glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. Thank you so much for coming on this great day. You are deeply, deeply loved. Have an awesome day.